0: afternoon, brethren. It's a privilege to be here with you today. Everyone, it seems, that I've talked to has expressed what a wonderful feast that they have had, a very inspiring feast. I know my family and I did as well. And as is often the case with air travel these days, our trip back home was a little bit longer than we expected, and as we were waiting in the airport for hours, and because of weather, the plane's arrival was delayed. And finally, it showed up, and as we were en route to our next uh, next airport to connect to back home, uh, we realized that our connecting flight had left without us because. Everything is is backed up. So we got to the airport and got into another line to be rebooked. And as the hours are going by, you know, my wife and I were talking about this later and it it seemed to me that the time we waited was was much, much longer. Uh, (laughs) She she mentioned that it was actually a a fewer number of hours. But as this was going by and We ended up uh, being rebooked the following day. One of the things that was going through my mind at the time is, why? What am I supposed to learn from this experience? One of my favorite scriptures is Romans 8.28. And I do think about that often, particularly... When things are not going well, realizing that even though sometimes we don't understand what we are going through and the reason why, we can have absolute confidence in the one who makes that promise, that all things will work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to His promise. And as I was thinking about this, I had a lot of time to think about it in line. I realized that, you know, one of the common elements, one of the common elements that, that we grow in through our trials is patience and also living faith. It's a key, those are key lessons that are so frequently and the trials that we do go through. So this afternoon, I would like for us to examine the subject of patience. Patience, there are various aspects of patience. You know, when I say the word patience, we all think of roughly the same concept, but perhaps uh, slightly differently. Webster's defines patience as bearing pains or trials calmly, or without complaint. It's a fairly good definition. Roger's Thesaurus offers as synonyms perseverance, endurance, and moderation. Let's, we're going to notice now several aspects or facets of patience in God's Word. And let's start by turning to first Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2. There are a number of different words, Greek words that are translated as uh, patience or its various synonyms, and depending on which translation you have, maybe translated patience in your Bible. One of these is found right here in 1 Peter chapter 2 in verse 20. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer... If you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. So we see here this aspect or one aspect of patience is that of enduring when we are beaten, when we suffer various difficulties that we all do go through, that if we take that with patience, if we endure it with patience, And then our attention is called, then, to Christ's example. Because He uh, set an example of this verse in action. Verse 21, we read, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in His mouth, "...who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously." You know, when we think about trying to apply this in our lives, we have Christ's example here of this in action. That when he was suffering, when he was beaten... He did not respond in kind. And certainly, all of us know how difficult it is to not respond in kind. Where we're on the receiving end, and it is difficult to not respond in kind. You know, I I saw that in line as I was waiting at the airport, and the various ones, and, and the different approaches that they had. You know, some with the, uh, the representatives for the airline were very verbally abusive. Others weren't, uh, you know, didn't uh, criticize that openly, but were rather passive-aggressive, making these little cutting side remarks. You know, it wasn't their fault that there was so much heavy fog. But, you know, when we're on the receiving end, when things are not going the way we want them to go. We have to remember Christ's example here this of patience. Let's notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Another aspect of patience. Here in 1 Corinthians 13, the what's commonly referred to as the love chapter, let's notice as it goes through uh, verse 4, describing real, godly love. We're told in verse 4 that love suffers long. It suffers long. The Greek word there is a word that is also uh, translated patience, or long-suffering. It's an aspect or... or Uh, facet of patience. Love suffers long and is kind. It does not envy. It does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. Verse 7. That it bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all all things. You know, love, real love, is patient. I remember talking with an individual one time, and he, this person had a, uh, was upset at someone else. And I mentioned patience, and he said, Yeah, yeah, I have foreborn and I have forborne, and I have forborne enough. <laughs> you see, there was a long history going back there. But, you know, none of us want God to look down from His throne in heaven and say that of us. I have forborne and I have forborne and I have forborne enough. We certainly don't want that. You know, that's a, a rather drastic statement. And yet the person was just frustrated. You know, we can think back, each of us on times when we've been frustrated with someone else. Maybe we wouldn't express it that way. Hopefully we wouldn't. But we need to be reminded about that real love will produce that patience in action in our lives. It will show up as we deal with other people. That long suffering. You know, that, that is a very descriptive phrase. That it suffers long. You know, patience isn't just about waiting when it's convenient. Waiting when we're comfortable. When we're well fed. When we've got a nice chair and we can wait. No. Patience, as described right here, is suffering long. That's something that we have to be prepared to do in the right way. With the right attitude. Let's notice now another aspect in Philippians, chapter 4. Philippians, chapter 4. Let's read verse 5. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Now this word translated in the New King James is gentleness. Also has the margin reference of forbearance. It is the Greek word epikase. It means patience. That our patience should be known to all men. You know this... Word here that's translated as gentleness or forbearance, patience, that is a rather interesting word. The Greek word epicase comes from two other Greek words. The Greek word epi, which means to superimpose or to place upon, and the Greek word akase, or echo, which means to resemble or a copy. This word patience here comes from these two words, one meaning to place upon, and the other meaning to copy. And you know the way uh, coins were made? There would be a metal blank, a soft metal, maybe called a flan, and it was heated. And it was placed between two dies. One die containing the image for the bottom, hot metal blank was put on top, and then another metal die was placed on top containing the image for the top of the coin. And then it was struck, and it would press down and leave that impression then on the coin. And that coin would be a copy then of the top and the bottom of that die. You know, our trials are supposed to produce something in us. There is a purpose for them. You know, as we go through trials, we're told to patiently endure trials. You know, many times in our trials it feels like they have been placed upon us and like we're weighted down. Well, by patiently enduring trials, we need to to remember what is happening here. We're being pressed, stamped, into, to reflect the image of Christ. His character is being pressed onto us. We're supposed to resemble that, bear that resemblance in our lives. We're told here to let our patience be known to all men. You know, how, how do we do that? You know, actions speak much louder than words. We let that be known to all men through our actions, through our example. Christ said that we are a light to the world. They see the world around us. The people we come in contact with see our example. And as we go through trials with patience, there's a purpose that God is working out. To mold us, to fashion us, to bring us, to resemble His character. It goes on here in verse 6. It describes then, verse 6 and 7, how we do that. You know, how that uh, patience is known to all men, how we put that in practice. It tells us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know, with patience we turn our needs over to God. And in verse 7, we're told of a result. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's a result that comes from enduring these trials with patience. Our example is known of others. They see it. They recognize it. It's something that should stand out. And we certainly, as far as us doing it, we do so through prayer, turning our problems over to God. With thanksgiving, keeping in mind the bigger picture of what is going on, that there is a purpose being worked out. Let's... Turn to Hebrews, the sixth chapter. And let's now that we've looked at several different aspects of patience, different words that are uh, discuss the different facets of the subject. Let's notice now several examples of patience in action. You know, as we try to grow in patience, we have there are several steps that we have to make. We have to take an, uh, what may appear as an abstract concept and then put it into practice in our lives. One of the ways that can help us do that is to look at examples. And certainly the Scripture is full of examples. Let's notice in Hebrews chapter 6, Verse 12, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You know, it's interesting here that we're told to not become sluggish. It's, you know, often, we may think of patience as something that is passive. But real faith is not passive, it is active. We're told here not to become sluggish, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Then our attention is called to Abraham. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely in blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. After he had patiently endured. Let's turn on over to Hebrews 11. We read a little bit more about Abraham. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 8, "...By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he should receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going." Not knowing. You know, that certainly makes patience difficult when we don't know exactly what's going to happen next. We all want to know when is this going to come to an end? How is it going to work out in the short term? You know, certainly we all know how the book ends. But we want to know right now in my circumstance, how is this going to end? When? And yet in the example of Abraham, we're told that he went out not knowing where he was going. Verse 9, "...by faith he dwelled in the land of promises as in a foreign country." dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You know, we are waiting for that city. Abraham set an example of great patience. Let's now notice back in Job, Job chapter 7. Another example of patience, no matter what we are trying to patiently go through, all we need to do is turn a few pages in the Bible to help us realize by comparison how little we really do suffer. In Job chapter 7, let's grab a few verses to kind of put things in perspective of what Job was going through. Certainly, we're all familiar with the story of Job. How, in the space of, of just a few minutes... Job learned as one servant after another came and delivering him tidings about what had happened to his estate. He, he found out in the space of minutes that he lost everything that he had. And then when he did not curse God, God allowed his trial to go even further and he his health deteriorated. In Job chapter 7 and verse 2 he describes... What he's going through. Like a servant who earnestly desires the shade. Now you know working in an office building, that may be a little hard to relate to. But anybody who's worked outside knows what meaning these verses have. I remember working in the oil field under the blazing sun. And I remember looking for the shade, waiting for... Or the opportunity when I would be able to to work on the shady side. So as a servant who earnestly desires the shade. Like a hired man who eagerly looks for his wages. So I have been allotted months of futility. Wearisome nights have been appointed unto me. When I lie down I say, when shall I arise and the night be ended? For I have had my fill of tossings till dawn. My flesh is caked with worms and dust. My skin is cracked and breaks out afresh. You know, he goes to describe this terrible condition that he's in. Job's trial didn't end quickly. You know, we can read the entire book in a very short time. And yet, as Job says here, he's made to possess this for months. Job's endured his trial without knowing exactly how it would end physically. He endured it for months. Let's go on over to Job chapter 14. In Job chapter 14, Job's words here express great hope. Great hope beyond the physical. And when it comes to enduring patiently, that is a key component. In Job 14, verse 14, notice what Job says. He says, If... A man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my hard service I will wait until my change comes. You shall call and I will answer you. You shall desire the work of your hands. Job didn't know how his difficulty was going to end physically what he did know was it was dragging out seeming like forever. Months had gone past. And yet, despite that, Job's focus here in these words was looking forward to the resurrection. The time that Jesus Christ will descend and the dead in Christ shall rise. You know, we just celebrated the feast looking forward To the time when that will happen. And that is exciting. And through our trials, we shouldn't lose sight of that. If we're going to endure our trials with patience, we must not lose sight of that. Let's go on over to Psalm chapter 40. In Psalm chapter 40, we'll read here some of the words of David. Now David was certainly a man acquainted with adversity. You remember the story of David. how After he was king, anointed king, he spent his life on the run. Solomon, or not Solomon, King Saul was looking for him, trying to kill him. And yet, notice what David says here in Psalm chapter 40, in verse 1. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to, to me, And heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit. Out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock. And established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud nor such as turn aside to lies. You know, David waited patiently for God. You read through the Psalms. You can read what David was thinking about. What he was wrestling with. Feeling like everybody was against him. His enemies were seeking his life. You know. You know our enemies today don't aren't out seeking our life in the same way. You know David's enemies weren't just uh, maybe saying bad things about him. David's enemies weren't just uh, spreading gossip or trying to push his buttons. David's enemies weren't just trying to make him look foolish or look bad. David's enemies really were trying to slay him. Trying to kill him. And David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. You know, you think about the time when David had the opportunity to take Saul's life. Not once, but twice he had that opportunity. Once, when he was in the cave, and his men, what did they tell him? God's delivered him into your hands. Here he could have ended it. He cut off the tail of Saul's robe, and he realized he should not have done that. Saul was still the Lord's anointed. That God had set him there and God would remove him. He was able to remove him and he would when the time came. And then David had the opportunity later. Saul and his men were asleep and he stood above Saul's bed. And he had the opportunity to slay him again. And David's right hand man was there. And David said, well, the Lord forbid that I should lift up my hand against the Lord's anointed." And what did his servant say? Let me go. (laughs) Okay. I will. I will. On your behalf. You know, David says no. I waited patiently for the Lord. He trusted in God. You know, we need to think about what patience looks like in action. When we're going through it, we don't really want to be told Patience. You know, as I was waiting in line and I thought about patience, I thought, yeah, it's easy to think about. <laughs> it's easy to think about, but we all know it's difficult. And yet we have David's words here. He waited patiently for the Lord. And God did hear, and God did intervene. He says, He brought him up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set his feet upon a rock and established his steps. God did establish him. He brought him out of that situation and established him. Let's turn now to Philippians chapter 4. Notice another example of patience. You know, the Scriptures are full of examples of great patience. We are going to notice just a few here. But these examples are helpful to us as we go through situations where we realize that's what we need to do, be patient. And we can think about these examples here. In verse 11, let's notice what Paul says. Philippians 4 verse 11, "...not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry." both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now Paul says, I have learned in whatever state, whatever situation, he has learned to be content. In order to really get the full meaning of that we need to think about you know what was paul's experience what was his basis for making this statement i have learned in whatsoever state i am to be content you know paul did not have a cushy life so to speak let's turn back to second corinthians chapter 11 Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Let's notice some of the trials that saw, that uh, Paul had gone through. Some of the suffering that he had endured. You know, these experiences that we're going to read here came before he made that statement in Philippians. He made that statement that I have learned whatsoever state I am to be content. He made that statement after he had written this letter here to the Corinthians. In verse 23, Paul says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. You know, he's boasting here foolishly. He uh, is doing this to make a point. Others had been critical of him and insulting of him and puffing themselves up. So Paul said, you know, I'm going to speak foolishly here. Let's let's compare apples to apples. You want to make these claims? That's what, what you're talking about. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant in stripes above measure in prisons more frequently in deaths often from the jews i from the jews 5 times i received 40 stripes minus 1 Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. You know, Paul was not someone you wanted to compare trials against. You know, we unfortunately like to compare among ourselves. It's an aspect of human nature. We're all working to overcome it. We look at someone else and say, you know what, I wish you could just, we could just trade trials. Yours aren't that bad. Mine, <laughs> let me tell you. You know, Paul is not someone we would be tempted to say that about. You know, it's easy to read through this list very quickly. But we ought to think about what he endured. You know, at half, this list would still be four. More than anything we would want to go through. Five times I received 40 stripes minus one. You know, these stripes, these beatings, would have cut deep through the skin, through the fat, through the muscle, down to the bone. And He didn't endure this Just once or twice, but he says, of the Jews, five times. Tremendous suffering. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. You know, when someone was stoned, they left him for dead. Here he'd been stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Not once, not twice, three times. And then he says, "...a night and a day I have been in the deep." And you know, just imagine Paul being shipwrecked. He says, "...a night and a day I have been in the deep." You know, when the, as the ship was prior to being wrecked because of the storm, whatever they all on board would have known the ship was in peril... Paul would have been praying that God would spare the ship. And the ship was wrecked. It broke up. Paul would have been praying that God would deliver him. And like you and I, he would have been praying that God would deliver him quickly. And yet he says, a night and a day I have been in the deep. You know, as the hours of night went on, perhaps he was looking forward to the dawn, thinking that as the day rises, perhaps that's when God is going to smile upon me and rescue me. But it doesn't say that he just endured a night in the deep. He endured the night and the day. You know, the sun rose high in the sky and beat down. And finally, he was rescued. You know, Paul was a man acquainted with suffering, acquainted with grief. When he said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content, you can take it that that's coming from a man with great experience. Whatever it is that you and I are struggling to be content in, Paul has been through a whole lot worse. And yet set that example. You know, the Scripture is full of examples. Men and women of God who set an example of great patience. Certainly patience is something that you and I work to grow in. Let's think now about how we put this into action, into practice in our lives. It's one thing to read about patience in a dictionary, see different aspects of it, to look at it as it's recorded for us about others who have gone before and how they've applied it and put it into action. But you and I have to make that next step And make it a part of our lives. So that as we read earlier, that our patience can be known to all. That they will see that as part of our example. You know, when someone describes you, is patience a word that they would use? We certainly wouldn't want them to use the word impatient or hasty. Let's notice here in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Let's notice what we're told in verse 13. Christ says, But he who endures to the end shall Be saved. He who endures, you know, in order for us to be saved, we must endure to the end. Let's notice, you know, that statement comes immediately on the heels of describing a condition that is extant, or that will be extant at the time of the end. In verse 12, Christ says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. That's a description, not of the world. That's a description of those who do know God's way of life. Whose minds have been opened to understand our calling, our purpose, God's plan. And Christ says that because lawlessness, as the old King James translates it, iniquity, because of the things that are going on around because of the sins of others, love of many will grow cold. In other words, people will be sidetracked. They will be discouraged because of what they see someone else doing. Someone who should know better, perhaps. Because because iniqui- lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. That's a condition that Christ says will take place at the end of the age. Then many will get their feelings hurt because of something someone says or perhaps something someone doesn't say. You know, people sometimes just as angry because someone doesn't say something or doesn't do something. And he says, "Christ says that because of that, many will be hurt, their feelings will be hurt, their love will grow cold. We can't control others, but we can control ourselves. We don't answer to God for what someone else does, but we do answer for what each of us individually does. And many will allow. Their love to grow cold. And Christ says, but he who endures despite the adversity, despite whatever problems, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now, this, as I mentioned earlier, this patience is active. It's not passive. You know, perhaps when you think of patience, you think of just sitting back, kind of resignation. Cross the arms, sit back, resigned. whatever will happen will happen, that kind of attitude. But yet, when we read about patience in God's Word, that is not what is described. When you look up the words that are translated patience and the way they're also translated You don't find resignation as being a key aspect of that. What you do find is bearing under, remaining steadfast. He who endures to the end shall be saved. Let's notice here in the context of that. You know, we are all patiently, or should be patiently, awaiting our, the return of our Savior. Some have said, you know, my Lord delays his coming. That's something that we read about. Others have said, you know, I've heard all of this stuff before, it's just more of the same. No, it's not. You know, look at the news and look at what's happening. We can see very clearly this is not more of the same. We don't know the exact day, the exact hour, but it remains to us to patiently await our Savior's return. But that is an act of patience. Notice what we're to be doing. Verse 20. We're to be praying that your flight be not in the winter or on the Sabbath. So part of that Patiently waiting involves prayer. Remember the what's referred to as the Lord's Prayer. That a key aspect or an element of our prayers daily is to be praying earnestly that that kingdom will come, looking forward to that time when God's will will be done on this earth the way it's done on in heaven. You know, what a... What a glorious and an amazing time. Certainly something that as we think about should fill us with excitement. That's coming. Notice verse 44. Verse 44. Therefore, you also be ready... For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You know, we are to be patient. We, we can't mark it on our calendar. And we all know what would happen if we could. You know, if we knew with absolute certainty that Christ is coming back on this date, think of the great repentance that would sweep the world the day before. And the wild oaks, it would be sown between now and then. But we're told to be ready. Be ready. We don't know exactly when, but our instruction is to be ready. Notice in verse 46. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. No, not, not blessed is the one that when his Lord comes back, will be sitting down with his arms folded saying, I'm just waiting. No, that he's going to be doing. You know, Paul talked about our Christian life as a race. It's something that is active. It requires effort. Great effort. You know, the things that we read about that we need to grow in, that we need to overcome, those things do not come easily. We don't get positive support from the world around us. It requires great effort to overcome, to grow, to move forward. Let's go to James Chapter 5. In James chapter 5, let's notice verse 7. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the former waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. That's something that we here Charlie, Charlotte would certainly like to experience some more of right now. Rain. Verse 8, you also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. We're charged to be patient. To be patient. And then he goes on to describe certain aspects where we need to think about that patience. He says, don't grumble against one another. You know, the judge is standing at the door. Christ is coming. And when we think about the spread of human history, He is at the door. The time is at hand. It is very close. And so, if we're thinking about that, if we're thinking about that, it certainly does change the way we approach others, the way we deal with others, the way it changes our thinking. You know, in school, prior to a test, what do students do? They cram. They study constantly right at the very end. Now, you know if they would pace themselves and start out that way, But that's not quite the way human nature works. You know, human nature is that we put it off. Don't do today what you can do tomorrow. And yet we're told to think about the fact that the judge is at the door. When we think about that sense of urgency, that sense of immediacy, the sense that it's at hand, it should change the way we think, the way we deal with others, Help us to have patience. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 18. You know, one of the areas when we think about what are the areas in our lives where patience shows up? You know, if someone was to describe you as patient, what would that be based on? How is it that they would see that as part of your character? That you would reflect Christ in that way? You know, certainly there are various aspects that that patience does come through and should come through. One of those is in our relationships with others. That's something that we all, all of us work on. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, Peter has come to Christ and asks, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. You know, the individual that was telling me I have forborne enough. You know, he had, for in his mind, forgiven his brother more than seven times. You know, there was a long history. There were years going back. And he felt, I, I have just had the brim of it. I, I just can't take any more. And it was little looks that were exchanged. Little looks, little barbs. But you know, sometimes it doesn't take much if we're not careful, if we're not on guard. It doesn't take much to set us off. You know, a husband and a wife come to know how the other thinks. You know that the way God intended means that we know when they need help. We know what they would like. We know how we can be of help and of service to them. Used the wrong way, that means we know where their buttons are and which button we can push and what the reaction will be. You know, we all have those buttons. We all work on that. And yet we're told here that there's not to be a limit to the amount that we will be patient, or forgiving, merciful towards others. Christ goes on to give this parable. Verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him and owed him 10,000 talents. And as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold, that his wife and children and all that he had in payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He laid hands on him, took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Christ describes how this wicked servant did not have that attitude of patience and forgiveness and mercy. You know that verse 35, we're told, You know, that my heavenly Father also will do to you, each of you, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. You know, that we have to be patient. Be forgiving. You know, remember that one aspect of patience is long-suffering. When we're on the receiving end... It feels like we're suffering for a long time. When I was standing in line, it it felt like you know the hours drug on. I thought more time passed than had. It feels like we're really suffering for a long time. And yet I look back and think, well, you know, when you think about the actual number of hours, perhaps it wasn't so bad. It's easier to have that perspective as we look back on it. But when we're in the middle of it, it is much more difficult because it feels like it will just never end. And yet we have to have this attitude of patience. Patience with others. You know, let's go to James chapter 1. Think about... For a moment, think about how patience is built. You know, patience is not like knowledge where you can study and grow. You know, you can study and acquire certain facts and increase your knowledge. We can study about patience and we can know about. But knowing about it doesn't make it part of us. It doesn't make it part of who we are. Patience is something that is built through experience. Through experience. One day at a time. One hour after another. Patience is something that it, we build through practice, through experience. You know when we pray to God we don't get to choose which prayers he answers and which he doesn't. You know we tend to think of it that whatever prayers he doesn't his answer isn't yes right now that he hasn't answered them. But you know there there are other answers other than yes okay right now. Sometimes there's yes but not yet. Sometimes there's the well we'll see, we'll just wait and see. Sometimes there's the no. You know, it's the way parents are with children. Sometimes it's yes, okay, right now. Sometimes it's yes, but not yet. When God tells us yes, but not yet, what does it feel like? It feels like we got a no. It feels like... Because we're not getting the, the not yet part or the yes part. We're just getting the waiting and in patience eventually we will experience the the yes part when he does give it to us you know when we go through trials and suffering we don't get to choose which prayers god's answers and which that he doesn't he chooses on his time frame Let's notice here in James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. You know, the reason that we would count it joy The reason that there would be joy when we're going through great difficulty is because we have an understanding of God's plan. And whatever adversity we go through, whatever suffering we endure, there's a reason. And even though we don't understand immediately how right now Romans 8.28 applies, we can have absolute trust and confidence and faith in the one who made that promise. And that someday we will know how it applies. But what we do know right now is that whatever we're going through, there's a purpose. It's working to perfect us. Verse 3, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, patience, Verse 4, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, or mature, and complete, lacking nothing. Verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, we need to focus on what lies ahead. What we're looking forward to. The realization of that promise that does stand there for us. That the Lord has promised to those that love Him. We know that if we love Him, we will obey Him. And that there is a purpose And the difficulties, the trials that we go through. You know, when we feel like we are suffering, sometimes we feel like we're on the end of an injustice. Sometimes that's because we don't have the bigger picture, we don't have all the facts. Sometimes we feel like somebody else is on the other end of an injustice. Because again, maybe they are, but maybe we don't know all the facts. You know, God certainly does. And we have to be patient, realizing you know, patience comes when we have to wait and we don't want to. It comes through experience. It comes through practice. And as we do that, as we see that, we are growing and building patience. Let's go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We see this same concept that we just read about discussed here. In verse one, therefore having been justified by faith, we have patience no I'm sorry, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into his into this grace, in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which was given unto us. You know that there is a purpose. That there is a hope. That we have, that we rejoice in, knowing what lies ahead. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. You know, sometimes the trials that we go through, perhaps it's not us directly that are suffering. Perhaps it's someone that we love is suffering. And when you love someone greatly and you see them suffer, you know what a great trial that is yourself. Perhaps it's the loss of someone that we love. You know, the trials that we go through, not always is it us directly that are suffering. Sometimes it's someone that we care about greatly. And we want to know why. In verse 11, or I'm sorry, verse 1 of Hebrews 11, we read, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We know that faith is essential to pleasing God. That without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And so even though we may not understand why someone else is suffering or why we are going through whatever, we need to realize that's where faith comes in. In in order to really... Practice patience in our lives. We have to realize, you know, patience is connected with faith. Patience is connected with having an understanding or grasp of the big picture. Without faith, without an understanding or a grasp of the big picture, We can't possibly be patient the way we are supposed to be patient. Let's notice in Romans chapter 8, verse 22. Romans chapter 8, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit. "...even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for sonship, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance." Our hope is something that lies ahead. If we see it, if we understand it, it's not hope. It's not faith. You know, faith is what we can't see. Hope is what lies yet ahead. You know, When we're going through difficulty, we want to know the answer to why, how long, when will it end, it requires faith to accept the fact that our Father in Heaven knows the answer to those questions. And if it was important for us to know, He would reveal it. Sometimes looking back on a situation, we're able to have a sense of clarity and perspective that we didn't have at the time. And we're able to gain understanding into some of those questions. But at the time we're going through it, we have to accept patiently that this is what faith is all about. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. In other words, don't let yourself be distracted or tempted to give up. You know, when things are going well, the thought of giving up wouldn't cross our mind. Why? How could we possibly? But when we feel like we're enduring great hardship, when we are suffering long, that thought can cross our mind. You know, some thoughts are inspired by God. The thought of giving up is inspired by our adversary, the devil. He wants us to. And so we're told here, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Verse 36, for you have need of endurance or patience, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. We need to be patient. Trust that if we do God's will, if we obey Him, serve Him with our whole heart, we will receive that promise. Verse 37, For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come, and will not tarry. You know, the time is coming when He will come. And He won't delay any longer. And certainly I know that we look forward to that, all of us, greatly. And that time is coming. Patience is something that we can study. We can understand what it looks like in action in other people. We can read about examples of it. But in order to... Bear that as part of our character so that our patience is known to all, as we read earlier. For it to become a part of our character so that we are reflecting, being pressed upon, reflecting a copy of our Savior's character in our lives. It's something that we must practice, it's something that we build through experience. In Hebrews chapter 12, Paul compares our life with Christ to a race. In Hebrews 12 verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight And the sin which does so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance. With patience. The race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame. And has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So brethren, let's us strive to build and practice patience in our lives. To heed the words of Paul. As he said, to run with patience the race that has been set before us.